0: And I want you to look at this text in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, and there's a thought here that the Lord has uh, really opened up to my mind over the last couple of days, and I want to share with you, and um, perhaps we'll hear, hear about it more later as well, but it's a very applicable thought concerning our day in which we live. We'll begin reading in verse 23 of 1 Chronicles chapter 12, beginning in Verse 23. And these are the numbers of the bands that were ready armed to the war and came to David to Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. The children of Judah that bear shield and spear were six thousand and eight hundred ready armed to the war of the children of Simeon, mighty men of valor for the war, seven thousand and one hundred. Of the children of Levi, four thousand and six hundred. And Jehoiada was the leader of the Aaronites, and with him were three thousand and seven hundred. And Zadok, a young man, mighty of valor, and of his father's house, twenty and two captains. And of the children of Benjamin, the kindred of Saul, three thousand. For hitherto the greatest part of them had kept the ward of the house of Saul. And of the children of Ephraim, twenty thousand and eight hundred mighty men of valor, famous throughout the house of their fathers, and of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000, which were expressed by name, to come and make David king, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, with all instruments of war, 50,000, which could keep rank, they were not of double heart. And of Naphtali, 1,000 captains, and with them, with shield and spear, 30 and 7,000. And of the Danites, expert in war, 20 and 8,600. And of Asher, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, 40,000. And on the other side of Jordan of the Reubenites and of the Gadites and of the half tribe of Manasseh with all manner of instruments of war for the battle and 120,000 all these men that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel and all the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king and there they were with David 3 days eating and drinking, for their brethren had prepared for them. Moreover, they that were nigh them, even unto Issachar and Zebulun and Naphtali, brought bread on asses and on camels and on mules and on oxen and, and meat, meal, cakes of figs and bunches of raisins and wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly, for there was joy in Israel. And we know that God will bless uh, the reading and the hearing of His word tonight. And I want to talk tonight about this portion of Scripture. I'll give you, I won't give. I will give the title away now because we're going to get there. But I want to speak about this little concept that we find clearly here. This is a chapter that dealt with preparing for war. And if you haven't figured out by now, we are in a war. And it is not a war with machine guns and machetes and knives, for we wrestle not against principalities and powers or pardon me, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And the battle that is raging around us now is an intensely spiritual battle. And I wonder if you even realize that we are in a war. I think the majority of people around the world have no idea that we are fighting a very real battle. And what is sad is that many believers, many Christians are totally ignorant to the battle that is raging in the war that is happening all around us. But this passage gives us some insight onto how to be prepared and how we might be made ready for such a war. It's interesting, in verse number 23, it begins the the passage by saying, these are the numbers of the bands that were ready armed to the war. Now, we have a little band here. This band of brethren that are gathered together tonight beneath this tent those of you who call this your church family, we are a band, a battalion, you could say, and uh, we are fighting together, and just like we have of the children of Levi and of the of uh, of the children of Benjamin. We have this list. Well, we are the band of Oxford, you could say, and here we are uh, gathering together, preparing for battle. And the scriptures say, very interestingly, in verse twenty-three, that they. They were ready armed to the war and they came to to David, to Hebron, to turn the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. And our goal, our desire tonight is that we would turn the kingdom that Satan has usurped authority over and has squeezed the life out of to turn that kingdom back to the rightful king of kings, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that is who is our king. These people recognize that David was their king. And uh, they were committed to acknowledging David as their king and giving David his rightful place on the throne. And we are committed to Christ as our king. And him being not just king over our little chapel, but acknowledged as king in all the earth, because he is king in all the earth. Ephesians chapter 2 speaks about the present condition of the world, just in case you didn't have any idea. I'm sure you do, but Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 2, the Bible says this, beginning in verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what happens when somebody becomes a Christian. Do you know that we are all born into this world dead in sins? And we need to be quickened or made alive. And that takes place when somebody, uh, by God's grace, repents of their sin and places their faith in a risen Savior. We believe that Christ has died, was buried, and rose again to purchase our salvation. And before we are born again, we're dead, spiritually dead. And the scripture saying in verse 2, wherein in time past Ye walked, meaning you used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The prince of the power of the air is Satan. And we used to walk according to him, according to his ways. And the world around us are marching row after row, rank after rank. They're marching in accordance To the prince of the power of the air. I used to be amongst their ranks. I used to march with them and so did you if you are born again. Maybe you're here tonight, you've never been saved. Well, you are marching regardless of whether you see it or not. You're marching with the enemy. And We used to walk. You could say we used to march according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's the way we used to walk. In Ephesians 6 and verse number 12, we read this, uh, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of dark of the darkness of this world. There are rulers of darkness and they're not prime ministers. They're not presidents. There's something behind them. There's an evil behind them. Driving an evil agenda through them. And we sometimes lose sight of that. We get angry with government officials and, and angry with, uh, cabinets and congresses. We don't, we f- fail to remember that the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. We fight against spiritual wickedness in high places. Jesus spoke about this in John chapter 12. Our Savior tells us in John 12, verse 31, uh, this now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And he's speaking of Satan, the prince of this world. In John 14 and verse 30, Christ speaks of him again, speaks of Satan again, and he says this, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. In John 16, in verse number 11, he says this, of judgment. He says in verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my father, you see me no more of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. And we, like these mighty men in this book of Chronicles, have come uh, beneath the banner of the true king, which is the son of David, Christ Jesus the Lord and we come declaring that Satan has no right here that Christ is king and he is our king and that is exactly what these men were doing now let's look together at a couple of things one verse I want to draw your attention to tonight is verse number 38 and look carefully with me all these men of war now I wonder this evening are you a man of war oh not me you say I I'm a very peaceful person And I hope you are. I really do. But I hope that spiritually you are a man or a woman of war. But you are not ignorant of Satan's devices. That you are not sleeping while the battle rages around you. There are so many blinded today who act like everything's just fine. And everything's going to be fine and hunky-dory. But we are in the midst of a war. And these men that we read about in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 were men of war. You said, Well, I didn't sign up for a battle. I signed up for love. And, and there's a little lamb I was told about, and all sorts of lovely, fluffy things. And you you are in a battle, whether you recognize it or not. And the New Testament is riddled with this illustration that we are fighting a, an intense battle. Paul tells Timothy in, in uh 1 Timothy chapter 1, let me share a couple of verses in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now, Paul is telling Timothy, a young minister, look, you are in a war and you better do it right. Some of our men are are enlisted in the, the military here and we're grateful for their service. But if you've been born again, you are enlisted in the king's army. And that's the service that is of utmost importance. And we ought to war a good warfare. Paul says in his second letter to Timothy, something very similar. In verse number one of the second chapter, in 1 Timothy chapter two, perhaps you'd like to, to look there or just listen. He says, thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, we, we have a weak and an anemic Christianity today. There's no strength in it any longer. And that is partly due to the last several decades, perhaps a couple of centuries, where things have been so easy in the Western world. It's been easy, relatively easy to be a Christian. And because of that, we are weak. Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, You shall be able to teach others also. I'm encouraged that uh, our church is a church that's involved in sending folks. And every week we're sending people uh, to teach and preach in different places around the country. Thou therefore, verse number three, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Part of being a soldier is enduring hardness. We've got a row of soldiers here tonight and they'll tell you that it's not a walk in the park. When you enlist in the army or you enlist in the military, it's not a walk in the park. There's training and there's a pushing and there's an expectation that is involved. And so it is in the army of the king. We must learn to endure hardness. We must learn to have opposition. You must learn to have your toes stepped upon. You must stop thinking about yourself and begin to think about those for whom you're fighting, your king and your family. We must look beyond ourselves. One of the signs of a weak Christian is that the only one they think about is themselves. And they want me, me, me. One of the presidents of the United States said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And we have the mentality today, many, many people do, and they're asking what the church can do for them. Rather than asking what they can do for the church what they can do for their savior, what they can do for their body. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, listen to this portion of scripture. Beginning in verse number three, uh, Kim, I remember we were speaking about this. We were looking for some passages of scripture that would help people in the open air. And and uh, we spoke about this text and she said, write that down for me. So I keep it in my handbag and she's And she, she, sometimes she says, "I, I, I shared that passage with somebody else today in the open air. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number three says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning we don't walk around with guns and knives and, and, uh, we don't walk around with carefully, uh, figured out equations, theological equations. It's not about, uh, how we can. Uh, exercise our intellect no the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled are you a man of war You know the passage in Ephesians 6, put on the whole, what? The whole apron of God? Put on the whole apron of God. Many churches today, many Christians are putting on their aprons. No, put your armor on. And if you put armor on, you're going into battle. You're going to fight and you expect to be attacked. You expect to have uh, arrows fired at you. So take off your apron and put on your armor. And we must recognize that we are men of war. Can I ask you tonight, are you fighting? These men were ready, armed to the war. Look at a couple of verses through our text, just quickly running through them. Verse 23 says they were ready, armed to the war. Are you ready? Are you ready for battle? When you walk out of the flaps of this tent tonight, are you ready for battle? Because it'll be waiting for you as soon as you get out there. Verse number 24, the children of Judah that bear shield and spear. Think about this. They were armed. They bear shield and spear. The scriptures say they were ready, armed to the war. Literally prepared to the war. Are you prepared? Verse number 25, of the children of Simeon, mighty men of valor. Can I tell you what we need today? Would you look this way? We need mighty men and women of valor, of courage. Men who, men and women who'll stop hiding, hiding at home and hoping that it'll all go, everything will just go away. Men and women who'll step up, stand up and live for Christ. Verse 28, this is a common theme. And Zadok, a young man, mighty of valor. In verse number 30, and the children of Ephraim, 20,800 mighty men of valor. There it is again. Famous. What are you famous for? Are you famous for having the most likes on Facebook? What are you famous for? Are you famous? Are you known? By the way, would you look here for a second? Some of you are developing a reputation. Are you known for gossiping? Are you famous for that? Are you known that I can't say anything now to that person because I know they're, they're going to take it and tell somebody else. I've got to be careful what I say in front of that person because they're going to go and blab. Are you known for that? Are you known for being unfaithful, unreliable? These people were famous for being mighty in valor. Famous. That's what I want to be known for. Courageous for Christ. That's a kind of nice catch to it. Courageous for Christ. Now look at verse 32. This is special. And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times... Now, do you know in every battalion, in every group, in every band, we need someone who's got an understanding of the times. But the majority of Christians have their head in the sand. These men had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Do you know what you look here? If, you don't have an under, if we don't have an understanding of the times, we won't know what to do. And that's why many Christians today don't know what to do. Because they don't have an understanding of the times, they cannot see. They don't see spiritually. They only see physically. They only see naturally. And therefore, they don't know what to do. But these these were men. They had men in their ranks who had understanding of the times, of chapter uh, verse thirty three of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle. Meaning, they didn't just talk about it. They were ready. They went. Experts in war. Are you an expert in war? Literally, it means rangers of battle, battle rangers. I wouldn't mind being a ranger for the Lord. Uh, In crossed enemy lines, I wouldn't mind being involved in that. It goes on, which could keep rank? They were not of a double heart. Two expressions there, they could keep rank. That phrase there literally means they set the battle in array. Would you look here, here's what this means. It means they started the battle. Now, that's one of the hardest things to do. When I played American football, one of the hardest things to do was the very first play of the game was a kickoff. And uh, if you were on the kickoff team, you had to be made of tough stuff. Because as you kick that ball off there, all 11 players rushed down the field with all their might and all their energy, ready to slam in as full speed onto the opposing team as possible. And here were men who set the battle in array on the front line. Put me at the front Put a rifle in my hand, whatever it might be, a spear in my hand. Put me at the front. I want to get it going. And every battalion and every band needs that kind of a man. Not everyone can do that. These were men who could. And they were also not of a double heart. Now, in order to be on the front line, you can't be of a double heart. To be on the front line means you're single-minded. You know that you're going, you're leading the way even if you die. You're not turning back even if you die. And by the way, I believe we've come so far now, there's no turning back. Even if we die. And that's got to be the mind of that, uh, that front line kind of a, of, a, of a warrior. You find in verse number 35, the Danites were expert in war. In verse number 36 of Asherah, such as went forth to battle, expert in war. And in verse number 37 of the tribe of Manasseh, with all manner of instruments of war for the battle. One of our brethren here works in uh, with the munitions department and uh, for the military, and he, he he's an expert in the instruments of war, you could say, and maybe he'd find himself in that tribe of Manasseh. I'm not sure. But there it is. These were men, all of them, regardless of their expertise and regardless of where they were, they were all men of war. Amazing. But can I tell you, there's more to it than just being a man of war. As amazing as that is, as, a, as much as that gets my blood pumping and as much as that excites me to think about going into battle and standing up for the Lord Jesus and going headlong on the the front lines. As much as that excites excites me, there's another truth sandwiched in the middle of this verse that is just as important. Look at it there. And this is the phrase that jumped out to me tonight. And if there's a title to my message, it would be after this phrase. Look at it. And all these men of war, look at the next four words, that could keep rank. That could keep rank. Now, I never really, I've probably read this A number of times in my Bible reading, but I never—it never really stood out to me until my friend Mr. Borum pointed it out. Here were men who could keep rank. Now, if you're in the military, you'll probably understand a little bit about what this means. But this literally means you're not going to run away. You're going to hold your place. You're going to march to the beat of the drum. You are not going to be lagging behind you're not running away when the battle gets started you are going to keep rank and that means you got to work together to keep rank means you recognize you're in a queue with others you're not out there by yourself i know some people who are mighty men of valor but they can't work with anybody else you ever met somebody like that oh they're fierce opponents and they can talk about scripture and theology and they'll go out there by themselves into the streets they can't work with anybody else. They don't know what it is to keep rank. They don't know what it is to work alongside of a brother. They don't know what it is to fill a gap. I told you about that kickoff team in American football. Well, there's a receiving team. Obviously, if one team kicks it off, there's another team that receives the kickoff. And on that side of the equation, what we would do when the ball was kicked to us, One man would receive the ball, and the other ten players would form what we called a wedge. And you would, we would all come together like this. And the man who caught the ball—the idea, if it worked properly—is the man who caught the ball would run behind that wedge, and that wedge would drive forward to try to fend off the other eleven opponents who are running with all of their might to tackle the man with the ball. But do you know what would happen if one person did not get in his gap? Do you know what would happen? If one person missed their part, then there would be a gap for the enemy to come through. And I wonder tonight, I'm interested if you're a a man of war. I'm interested if you're a mighty man of valor, but I'm also interested if you can keep rank. I'm interested if you can stay when the going gets tough. I'm interested if you'll still be by my side in the middle of the battle. Because if I'm going into a battle to which we go into every week if I'm going into a battle I want to know that my brothers and my sisters are with me that they're not going to do a runner on me they're not going to leave me high and dry for the enemy these were men who could keep rank can I ask you tonight can you keep rank can you work together can you work with unity you cannot work with unity if you're constantly backbiting and attacking your own brothers and sisters. If I'm jabbing the man next to me in, in, in the in the ranks, then I, I, I've missed it. Or if I'm if I'm gossiping with this fella in the ranks about that one in the ranks, what on earth are you doing? The enemy's that way, that way. Ephesians chapter four and verse number three says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Do you know it takes work to keep the unity of the spirit? Endeavoring. That's an adventurous term. We are endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because there's one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. He says in the same chapter in verse number 13, verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. This is speaking about what he gave the church. In verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith. There's one thing that will unite us. One thing that will unite us is the truth of his word, the unity of the faith. That's what we're united on. Scriptures say, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The more you get to know Christ, the more you know His word, the more that you will be matured as a child of God, the more you become like Christ, and the more united each one of us will be. But can I tell you that if you are fighting your own soldiers, you are proving how unmature, immature spiritually you are. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. Do you remember what it was? A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Do you know the only thing that will help you The only thing that'll help you keep rank is a love for the brethren. The only thing that'll help you stay in your place is a love, a genuine, sincere love for the ones you're fighting with. Do you love the brethren? I don't mean, can you say it? I mean, do you really love the brethren? Do you love the ones you fight next to? Do you love the ones that you worship next to? Do you, or do you only love yourself? My wife and I have six children. They are far from perfect. I know that. Every once in a while, somebody likes to criticize other people's children. I think that's a foolish thing to do, a very foolish thing to do. I know our children aren't perfect, but many of them aren't yet saved. You can't expect an unconverted child to act like a born-again Christian. And so we are trying and asking the Lord to help us. But you know, when children are first entered into the world, they have the idea that the world revolves around them. Every child thinks that. Because as a baby, they're cuddled and they're fed and they're swaddled and they're laid down. And when they cry, we rush to them to see what's wrong. And it takes time. And about two years old, they, maybe 18 months, they begin to realize, hold on just a moment. This world is not about me. And there are other people in the world. But do you know that there are some Christians who've never learned that? There are some Christians who never learned that this world is not about them. It's not about what they think. It's not about what they want. It's about our Savior. This battle is not about them, but this battle is about making Jesus Christ king in the lives of as many people as we possibly can. Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse number 21 in his high priestly prayer in verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one. As thou father art in me and I am thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Do you know when the world will believe that Christ was sent from the father is when we are one together. When we fight as one army properly one united army not a compromised army we don't unite on compromise we don't unite with the so-called ecumenical movement we don't unite in that way just all under well we all just want to get along and sing kumbaya together no no, no that's, that's not that's not what i mean but we unite around what is true we unite the truth of god will unite us and the lord jesus desires that we may all be one Paul writes to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 14. Listen to these words in verse number 17. He says something very interesting here. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I was eating with a brother. We had the privilege of having dinner with a family last night. And, and uh, one of the young people of the family asked me, are you hopeful? Pastor, are you hopeful? They said i said i i don't have much hope for this world but i'm very hopeful for the children of god and the kingdom of god very hopeful we ought to be the most hopeful people on the planet i don't think i don't mean that doesn't mean that we ought to have our our head in a cloud somewhere and and being totally unrealistic as to what's going on around us we see clearly that the world is very dark and progressively getting darker but i'm hopeful because christ is king and I'm hopeful because he's mighty to save and I'm hopeful because he's coming again and this is where my hope lies my hope doesn't lie in this world as far as this world is concerned I have no hope in the governments of this world I have no hope and the system of this world but I have all hope in Christ and Paul writes here the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost for he that for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Did you hear that? If you will serve Christ in righteousness, peace, and joy, you will be acceptable to God. Wouldn't you like to be acceptable to God? Forget trying to be acceptable to man. I give, I've give. i given up on that a long time ago. I don't really care what you think about me, and I don't really care what you think about my family, but I do care what he thinks. I do care what he thinks. I want to be acceptable to Christ, acceptable to God. Let us, therefore, watch this. let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Let's follow after it. Peace amongst the ranks, that we can keep rank together, that we can hold tight our position, our place. One last thing in our text. These were all these men of war that could keep rank. Look at the next phrase. Came with a perfect heart. What's that mean? It means that they were all together united in their purpose and goal. They had the same heart, the same mind. That was that David would be king. And we, if we will ever be successful as a band of soldiers, we must have the same heart and the same mind that Christ Jesus must be king. He must be preeminent, not anybody else or anything else. And the Bible says that they came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king. Now, the rest of the nation wanted David to be king But only these are the ones who are willing to fight for it. Now would you look here? The rest of Christianity says they want Jesus to be king. But we at least better be amongst the ones that fight for it. I don't want to be amongst the ones that are keyboard keyboard warriors. I want Jesus to be king from home on the internet. I want to be out there on the front lines. Fighting that Christ might be king. I wonder if you desire the same thing. They all came with a perfect heart. They were men of war. They kept rank. They came with a perfect heart. And the Bible says in verse 39, there they were with David three days. Do you know before they ever went to battle, do you know where they were? With their king. With their king. The evidence that you have actually been with your king the evidence that you have actually been with your king are all of these things being performed. I'm not interested in what you talk about. I don't care what you say. You can talk about all that you do and talk about how successful you've been and how much you've prayed and how much you've evangelized. I'm not interested. On the last day, there'll be people who stand before Jesus and say, Lord, we cast out devils in your name, and we perform many mighty works in your name. I'm not interested in what you say. I'm interested in what is real. They were with David three days. They were with their king three days, eating and drinking, for their brethren had prepared for them. That's sweet. There was a group of brethren that had prepared for these warriors. I think we have that in our ranks A group of brethren that prepare for the warriors to go out. The key to fighting victoriously, fighting successfully, is that are those three days with the king. Three days near to him. And you are reassured that he is king. And you're reassured that your desire for him to be king is right. And all of your doubts are put to ease before you step onto the battlefield. But if you're not spending that time with your king, then your mind is sure to be filled with doubts as to whether or not you're in the right battle or on the right side. The interesting thing says, the last phrase in the chapter says, for there was joy in Israel. Joy in Israel. If you're lacking joy tonight, it might be because you've missed that time with the king. And it might be because you haven't stepped up to the ranks or maybe you you left your rank. Maybe your heart isn't perfect. Maybe you're not united with the brethren. Maybe you're not a man of war. I don't know. But I wonder tonight, if you're ready, can you keep rank? Well, some people can, are good fighters. Boy, they get out there with their rifles, fire a few shots, and bang, they're out of there. No, 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 no. No, I'm looking for tenacity, longevity, in it for the long haul, keeping rank. Some people are Sunday morning Christians. Yes, sir, I'm ready to fight on Sunday morning, but don't ask me to fight any more than that. No, 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 no. Can you keep rank? Can you stay by my side when the going gets tough? Will you be with me? Will you be with our brethren when things get tough? Or will you do a runner and leave us high and dry? Men of war, men who could keep rank, Men of a perfect heart. And they spent time with their king. May the Lord help us. We're in a battle, aren't we? And I hope you're ready for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for thy word and for the instruction that we receive in it. Make us mighty men of valor. Mighty men and women of valor. Courageous. Fearless. Determined to live and stand and if need be, die for thee. Help us, we pray. May we acknowledge that Christ is king, and for his glory we fight. For his glory we stand. For his honor, for his namesake, we stand against the army of Satan. Help us to spend time with our king, that we might be assured of the victory that has already been won, that we might be assured that the one for whom we fight is altogether lovely and worthy. Worthy of all. We pray, Lord, that there be true joy. True joy in Israel. True joy in our ranks. That we would be men and women who keep rank. Lord, give us tenacity. Give us that ability to keep fighting. To keep standing. To not grow weary in well-doing. To not lay down. Not to quit. But to press on. And Give us this perfect heart. Help us not to be double-minded. Help us to be reminded that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Help us, we pray. Give us unity in our ranks amongst one another. Give us a real love, a true love for one another. For we ask it in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake.